0: Well, maybe I'd sit up here and start with a few fuzzy stories and reminisce, but since I've been on the front line and seen that it's hell, how about we just get started? As Pastor Wade said, seven years ago, Tuesday, is the very day that we moved to Houston. I'm sorry, Uh, seven years ago, yes, moved to Houston. uh, 30 days before that, we heard a call in Louisiana to follow that call. Since that call, we ran into like-hearted men. We ran into like-hearted women who loved the Lord with all their heart, who were chasing after a pillar of fire just like we were. Little did we know that when you get close to the fire, it's going to cost you something. Matter of fact, that's an understatement. It will cost you everything because what you receive in return is more than you can ever imagine. The presence of the living God is worth more than you can ever give up. So when you're in this place and you whine like at times that I did and said, oh, the pastors are too hard or the pace is too fast or the sleep is not enough, don't you believe it? Amen. When you are looking forward to going out to the front line, or you go out to the streets, or you might even try to minister in your own home or in your own family. Tell me there is not a resistance. There is. You know what that is? That is the devil, and he is trying to steal your fire. Matter of fact, you were called to be righteous, and you were called to be righteous lions, and therefore there is an enemy out there that's trying to steal that from you. He is trying to domesticate you. He is trying to bring you to a place where you are ineffective, beaten up, stuck in a pit. Feeling like you're uncalled or your voice is not heard or you were not fit to walk in the kingdom of God. The blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough. God did not pay such a precious price as to give his son for you that you would be ill-equipped that you would be void of some portion of his presence. The truth is, when you were redeemed, he held nothing back from you. The only reason that there might be a void in your heart is because you have not responded to that love, to that power, to that initiation of God's expression to you. At that point in your life, he demands a response. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 49 and verse 8. In Genesis chapter 49, in verse 8, we see Jacob blessing his sons. And when a blessing comes from the father, by the very words of God that is flowing through his mouth, this is not only a blessing, but a prophecy. He's speaking forth to his sons what's going to happen. Have you ever been there? You've been redeemed and God said you're a son, but you walk like a devil. And somewhere along the way, there's some kind of uh, turmoil in your heart. Don't you know when the living God comes to live and house his presence in you, that there is a consequence for that? When he comes to have your heart as the seat of his throne, he actually cares about what you do in the private as well as in public. Genesis chapter 49 and verse 8. Let's start in verse 1. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather around so I can tell you what will happen. Say will happen. Will happen. To you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father, Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor and excelling in power. Turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. For you went up unto your father's bed, unto my couch, and defiled it. Simeon and Levi are brothers, their swords are weapons of violence. Let me, not either, let me not enter their council, let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung, hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be the anger. So fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down like a lioness. Who dares to arouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nation is his. That's a very attribute of your father. You are sons and daughters of the living God and you are called to carry those same attributes. That means when you walk out your walk, you are to be bold as lions. You are to be uncompromised and fearless. And if you walk in anything less, God is going to come knocking at the door and asking, Why are you carrying my name, yet not l- walking out this life like I would? Is this June, July 30th? Yes. July 30th. We're talking about domesticated lions. We're sitting in this room. We were called to be righteous. We were called to be lions. Where's your heart this morning? I've been sent out. I've looked all over the region that I've lived in. I've mixed with leaders in churches. I've talked to families and men of God, calling themselves husbands and not acting like it. I've spoken with fathers who carry the name but don't act it out. And I wish I had a pretty story to tell you, but the truth is I have found men and women of God who start off well but do not finish that way. There is an enemy out there that is working hard to domesticate men and women of God to make them into something they are not but it doesn't happen by accident nor am i saying the enemy is more powerful than that which lives in you jesus christ i'm saying it comes by their own hands a building by their own hands when we're worshiping when we're talking about repairing the altar of god you know good and well that you actually have to do something in order to repair that altar at some point in your thoughts you're gonna have to Look back in the rearview rear mirror of God's mercies and present yourself as a living sacrifice because of the goodness that He's already done for you. But somewhere along the way, you started looking forward for what He could do for you like that wasn't good enough. Or you thought that the responsibility that He put in your hand was uh, now yours as an ownership instead of a stewardship. Somewhere along the way in the little details of our life, One little thought, one little action that we think are just little bitty small things, one step along the way seeps corruption in the hearts of men and women of God with great intentions. Genesis 49, 8 tells us the kingdom of Judah was supposed to be a lion, an apex predator, fearless hunter. And so in Jeremiah... Turn there with me, Jeremiah chapter 20. We look into the existence and say, okay, Judah, well, how are you doing? In Jeremiah chapter 20, we now see Judah as a divided kingdom, something has happened. Little by little, something's creeped in. The righteous king has died, and now corrupted kings are in its place. So the atmosphere around the people of God is now hostile. And there's very few within that kingdom that actually stay firm to his word. This is the times that we live in, is it not? Modern Christianity has become a cage. And if we're not careful, and if we don't adhere to the biblical way of life, we'll build that same thing around us. They built a cage, a cage of lion tamers. When you walk into something that's called the church wall, and there's no presence in the place, you need to redefine the name you just called it. When you walk into a place, and you gather herds of people, and ask them to come in and seek the presence of God, and then you tell them, this is the presence of God. What we do and we perform up here for you. They missed it. What they're doing is seducing you and taming you. Men seek to capture young lions by their trends. One bar at a time. It used to be traditions. We used to look back and say, Oh, this is the traditions of men. Now it's the trends of men. What's the newest fad? What's the next thing that we can do? And one bar at a time, they place bars around their whole life and they cage God out. And their heart's intention is right, but the intentions of a man's heart can lead him right to hell. They must be biblical. We must adhere to the word. We, know, we, must, we must understand fully what it is to have the approval of God in the presence of God with us daily. Amen. Men build fine institutions and teach the people who come in self imprisonment. Men enslave themselves to expensive buildings and trap themselves with elaborate systems and teach sons and daughters reliance on an institution instead of the organism called the church. The gospel becomes not cross centered but cage centered. Let me teach you how to come here and in six months achieve the character of Christ. Yeah, it's okay. I can shout. You messed up. You gave me the Pentecostal mic now. In doing so, I actually see... Can you hear me? I actually see... Men coming in and God giving some type of leeway in order to hang themselves. We call it grace. And yes, God gives it to you. But what happens with this? If your message be, uh, ceases to be Christ-centered, cross-centered, self-denial, it becomes, when I say it becomes cage-centered, what I mean as men bring you in, they they tell you this is what you're to achieve in six months to a year, and they literally bypass the fact that it was you that were supposed to be equipped and sent out to affect your atmosphere. So when you come in, it, honest, honest assessment, you go out, you're witnessing to someone, and you're like, the Lord's moving right here. And you bring him to church. I know, you need to meet my pastor. Right? You need to meet my pastor. You need to come to this meeting. You need to do this. All those things are good and well until you miss the fact or bypass the fact that the living God lives in you and it was your responsibility to be healing in that situation or bring saving grace to that situation by the living word of God. But all you've been taught is that I'm going to go out and fish and I'm going to bring men in to a certain institution. And we miss that. We're not an institution, we're an organism. And it's uh, it, you that's included in that. You know, this is, not a, uh, this is not an old trick, right? It's not a new trick. It's an old deception, right? Let's look in Jeremiah chapter 20. When the priest, Peshur, son of Emor... Emer, sorry, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. He had Jeremiah the prophet beating, uh, beaten and put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. The next day when Peshur released him from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is not Peshur, but Magar-Misabib. For this is what the Lord says, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. with with your own eyes you will see them fall by the sword of your enemies. I will hand all Judah over to the king of Babylon who will carry them away to Babylon or put them to the sword. I will hand over to their enemies all the wealth of the city, all its products, all its valuables, and all its treasures of the king of Judah. They will take it away and plunder and carry it off to Babylon. And you, Pashur. And all who live in your house will go into exile to Babylon. There you will die and be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied. So you have an overseer of overseers, a priest who once was a young lion and now is an older lion. But somewhere along the way, compromise set in. He's now governing the things of God within the temple. And somewhere along the way, corruption has seeded in. How does this happen? Good intentions are not enough. The Word of God must be adhered to, the way of life must be guarded. It's funny, I got an older quote for you. It says uh, from William Booth. He said, The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration. Politics without God and heaven without hell. And one generation, the army that he built is now a thrift store and a a shelter. How do we guard from that? It's the way of life that we live. There's so many of you that could go out there and in the next five years build something you call a ministry. Something that you call effective. But the truth is, if you denounce the way of life in order to do it, you're just building yourself a cage. It is. It's hard truth, but it's true. When I look at the kingdom of Judah, I see a lion because the lion was symbolic of Judah. We say the King of Judah, which is Jesus Christ. We understand these things, and there's something to be said about carrying the name of God. When God calls you a Lion of Judah, He expects you to be it. If He calls you a son or daughter, He expects you to be it. This is why the Spirit of God wars intensely in us when we walk against the things that He wouldn't ask you to do. Well, what happened? In the in chapter 20, the Lion of Judah is now captive to the... Lion of Babylon. That's amazing. I'm going to move on from there. In Genesis eleven four, you want to turn with me. In Genesis eleven four, it says, Then they said, Come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we might make names for ourselves and not be scattered on the face of the earth. In Isaiah 66, 1, it says it like this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you have built for me? Where will my resting place be? The lives that we build... The ministries of the intentions of our heart, the ministries that we build in the future must be guarded. They must adhere to the word. First Corinthians 310 goes on to say, be careful how you build. Be careful how your foundation is built, because a time is coming when God's going to bring consuming fire And the only thing that remains is that which is eternal and you will pass through it. That means everything that is not of God will be burned away. And if you let him build in you what is pleasing and fitting for him, it will remain. But if not, you will suffer loss. I say that to say this. Back to Jeremiah 20 and verse 7. Jeremiah was a young prophet and he had a lot of trouble with what was going on. Jeremiah was also a peer to Pashur. These were his friends. And the things that he is speaking, all of a sudden his own peers do not agree with him. In verse 7, it says, O oh Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me, and I prevailed. Uh, overpowered me and prevailed i am ridiculed all day long everyone mocks me do you see what's happening to jeremiah here he's forgotten the fact that god didn't promise him he wouldn't go through persecution he just promised him he would be with him through it whenever i speak i cry out proclaiming violence and destruction so the word of the lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long but if i say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. His word in my heart is like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. In the Hebrew, here it's a consuming altar fire. In my bones seems to be a consuming altar fire. And when I try to, uh, when they make me try to shut up or sit down or refrain from speaking truth, something else starts to stir in me. It's almost like the catalyst has come and instead of changing what I said, it actually fuels the fire in me. Men try to oppress me, but instead the Spirit of God raises up. Men try to ridicule me, but the love of God comforts my soul. Is that just me that you ever been there? I've watched and I've seen men like Pashur. They build these kingdoms. They build these cages. They build these ministries. And then, you know, in the Hebrew, Pashur's name meant he went from stability or freedom, Pashur, to terror on every side or fear on every side. He literally went from freedom to fear, and I and I can see this prophetically. When you take a a tour around Christianity, what you see is men who build these cages that they call ministries, and then they're afraid to lose them. Afraid who's going to leave? Afraid, afraid, afraid. They're domesticated lions. But who are we? We want to be like Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, When these things come, and each bar is placed in my life, I refuse to let them concrete in my life. I pull them up. I break them out. I denounce them. And I say no in the name of Jesus. And he says, When these things come, they actually start to stir up within me a kindled fire. I'm wondering... There's some in the house this morning, and I'm thinking families right now. And I'm thinking you're a husband. And sometimes compromise wants to come because you need peace instead of shalom. You bend, or you lower the standard. I'm telling you, that's not shalom that's going to come in, that is a false lion. You think you're being a lion. You think you're standing. You think you're standing upon uh, the, uh, the measure of God. But the truth is you're placing for yourself a bar. And the only thing that's going to come for you next is the next one. And the next one. And the next one. And before long, you will be a caged lion not being able to summons a roar. Men build. They surround themselves but men who tickle their ears, systems that expediate the process of sanctification, um, lifestyles of ease that they call shalom. Have you ever heard in the Christian circle, well, I didn't feel the peace of God in that one. Right? Oh, it's all over. Do we need to be reminded that there is a violent adversary? And he'll wait you out and wear you down for you to give up. Devils have to be fought violently. (laughs) I got that little picture we did, the little lion picture. That's funny. (laughs) We laugh, right? But we know it's true. We, If we don't look into the mirror, we don't know who we are. Sometimes we feel like the little house cat when God's telling us that we're a lion. But we don't know that, so we lose our identity. We walk like a devil instead of a son or daughter because we're not peering into the Word of God that shows us that He is the standard, that He died was buried and crucified, that he might live in us, change us, and give us the ability to live out a holy life. But how do we not know that if we are not 24-7 peering into his word? This is the deception. Men are deceived because they cannot determine what's going on in their life. Romans 12 says, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is an acceptable act to worship. When you walk out these things, then you will be able to discern the will of God in your life. Not before. And men put the cart before the horse and they're deceived every time. Here's one for you. You taking notes? Write this one down. Satan does not build cages. You do. Jeremiah 20 and 7. Let's start back in 9. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is like, in my heart, is like a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering terror on every side, report him. Let's report him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail in the Hebrew. It says the Lord is with me. Uh, the all inspiring terror-striking, mighty champion is with me. I hear amen. I hear it, but are we living it? Do you stand upon the principles of God's word no matter what? You remember John the Baptist? He lost his head instead of compromising. It breaks my heart because I look out within Christianity and men sell out. The gift of God and their integrity for pennies on the dollar, but we cannot be that. We are called to be like Jeremiah when we find ourselves in those situations, and we find ourselves. There may be possible that you actually have already placed some bars in your life and built the cage, and you're you're starting to experience these things. It is possible. That the living God can rise up in you and give you the ability to break out. Amen. He goes on to say, "O Lord almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you, I have committed my cause. Have you committed your cause to Christ? Yes. In every aspect. Because we either commit our cause to Christ or we commit ourselves to our own cage. But we've been called, turn to Ezekiel 19. We've been called princes and kings, have we not? Yes, we have. But we're not kings of the jungle, we're kings of the kingdom of God. Ezekiel 19, chapter 1. Take up a lament concerning the princess of Israel and say, What a lioness was your mother among the lions? She lay down among the young lions and reared her cubs. She brought up one of her cubs and he became a strong lion. Say, Strong Lion. Strong lion. He learned to tear and, uh, the prey and he devoured men. The nations heard about him and he was trapped. In their pit this is what we're talking about young lions setting out in order to do the will of God and becoming domesticated they lead they lead him with hooks to the land of Egypt when she saw her hope unfulfilled her expectation gone she took another of her cubs and made him a strong lion he proud he proud among the lions for he was now a strong lion He learned to tear the prey, and he devoured them. He broke down the strongholds and devastated their towns. The land and all who were in it were terrified by his roaring. When the nations came against him, those from the regions round about, they spread their net for him, and he was trapped in their pit. With hooks they pulled him into a cage and brought him to the king of Babylon. They put him in prison so his roar was no longer heard. Do you know that when a lion is taken out of the wild and brought into captivity that there's a possibility that some of them actually lose their roar? They lose a lot of things, including their voice. Now, you think that your voice is your proclamation of the gospel, but it's not. Your proclamation of the gospel is first lived out before it's spoken. Am I right? Your roar... Your boldness is first lived out and then spoken. You remember men like this? Men like Saul, men like Demas, Solomon, Judas, Jeroboam, Balaam, and Esau. Esau sought with tears to get back what he lost but could not receive it. Solomon was used mightily by God to build God's kingdom... Yet along the way, he built his own cage. These men did not guard the way of life. They did not guard what was entrusted to them. One small decision at a time, one by one by one, they built their own cage. And when they tried to summon a a roar, they could not do it. Jeremiah 25, 30 says, now prophesy all these words against them and say to them, the Lord will roar from on high. He will thunder from his holy dwelling and roar mightily against his land. He will shout like those who tread the grapes, shout against all those who live in the earth. Our God is the king of Judah. He is the lion, is he not? Proverbs 30 and 29 goes on to say, there are three things that are stately in their stride, four that move with stately bearing. Number one, a lion mightily among beasts who retreats before nothing. We do not back down when persecution comes. We do not sit down when Jesus Christ is being diminished. And we do not shut up when the gospel is being squashed. Proverbs 28 tells us why. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. And we are not wicked, we are righteous. But the righteous are as bold as lions. In Acts chapter 4, it shows us lions. Turn with me there. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 1, The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the numbers of the men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. It goes on to say in verse 8, that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and and asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is salvation. Salvation is found in no other, for there is no other name under heaven to men by which men must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they had, were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. We literally have, just like Jeremiah, bold lions proclaiming within their atmosphere, a lifestyle of boldness. They go on to say that these men, in verse 31, when they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the words of God. How? Boldly. 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 They had been with Jesus. Lions beget lions. Like Pastor Eric said, You can only reproduce after your own kind. Look at the fruit of your life and ask yourself, what am I producing? And take an honest assessment of your own life. 1 Peter 5.8, go there with me. 1 Peter 5 eight says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Say like. like. Jeremiah was a young lion. Pashur was like a lion. Judah was supposed to be a lion, and Babylon was like a lion. These things always happen in your life, but these things are there to remind you who you are. uh, 1 Corinthians 9.16, I love it. It says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, Jeremiah said, it's a fire shut up in my bones, not only if I don't speak these things, but if I don't live these things. 2 Corinthians 5.13 says, if we are out of our minds, it's for who? It's for your sake. 2 Corinthians 4 said, it is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. When you're on the front lines and you're in the warfare, you can really start to identify with Jeremiah. Because sometimes even your own closest friends can string you up in public they can put you in stocks. They can humiliate you because they think it's the will of God. I've, I've lived this. They love to muzzle your prophetic voice. We'll just move on from there. Seven years ago, we answered a call. Since then, we've moved seven times. We have nothing to our name on purpose. We have learned a blessed way of life. And that didn't come by itself. We were taught that and then we imitated it, put it to the test. And you know what comes? Devils come, but the glory of God comes. It makes it a lot easier to say yes to God when he shows up on your doorstep when you don't have anchors, when you don't have a cage. And ask yourself this morning, does your life represent a call or a cage? How would you know? John 10.10 says, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and life abundantly. He comes to what? Steal your call. He comes to what? Kill your vision and destroy your voice and your way of life. And he is violent. But the Spirit of God that lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world. And he fights intensely for you. And the warfare starts in your own heart. If you feel the tension... In your own heart. If you feel the compromise in your own heart, it starts there. Do not reject the living God because all you're doing is building for yourself a confinement that God cannot work within. You got that slide we put up? Here's a few things that happen when a lion is caged. He loses his roar. Are, are, you, are you tracking with me this morning? Yes. You not only lose your, your desire to proclaim the gospel. When a man compromises, of course he's not going to preach the gospel. Or if he does, he's convicted in private. Or more like con- condemned in private. At least that's the feeling because the confusion comes. He loses his position as Lord of the Forest. This means that he used to once be someone who went out to claim his territory. But he's lost that pioneered spirit. Men in their ministries do this too. They set out to build ministry, and what they build for themselves is what I'm calling a cage, is very inward focused, not outward. The church of the living God was always supposed to be an equipping body that sends out to claim new territory. Amen. They lose their territorial, their territory and pride. So it's not like you set out to do something without loss. Loss comes. And they no longer crave the satisfaction of a hunt. You see, God created you to be something. He created you to be bold as lions. He created you to hunt. He created you to love the lost. He created you for these things. And if these factors are not happening in your life, these are litmus tests for what's really going on. We're doing some physician work this morning. A little uh, introspection. You got the next one? Can you ask yourself these questions? Can we take a little introspection this morning? Has your roar been compromised? Has your witness been tamed? Have you become concerned about what the devil is doing? You used to take his territory, but now you hide in what remains yours. We build for ourselves confinements. In our own homes, our four walls become panic rooms. In our own ministries, they become cages that steal our roar. Have you settled for less than your high calling? Your calling is a secondary reality to the other priorities. What do we mean? Men of God are in here, and their careers have trumped their calls. They've compromised their values And it's seeping into their families. It's a hard thing as a father to raise children and then watch them display something that you know is going on in your own heart. And that's how it comes. You deny it and you deny it until you see it displayed in your own children. And then you have to face the hard fact that you hadn't dealt with that and it's still hidden in your heart. Have you settled for less than your high calling? Have you settled for the spiritual appetizers handed out by others when you should be hunting for the revelation of God's holy word? (laughs) There's not any spoon-fed people in here, is there? I don't know. Sometimes we have a temptation of sitting and soaking. Right? Heavily equipped and never going out. Growing stagnant. The Spirit of God is a river. (laughs) I feel like I got across what I wanted to say. Now, my concern here is I feel like God's given me a prophetic word. didn't matter how, how... Um, how it comes across. It just matters if you walk away from here, understand what I'm saying, and apply it. I'm concerned, not only that the ministries that I see, the churches that I've visited, I'm, I'm concerned about my family, the men and women in here. Let's just talk about that for a minute. I've been away, and I come back, And some are excelling tremendously, and some are not. And I ask myself why. It's not because uh, of um, an ill-equipped ministry. You get the best of the best here. But I know in my own heart that God can lay before me his table, and I can decide to eat from it or not that I can decide to go out and actually apply what God has spoken to my heart. And that's the um, Achilles heel, if you will. In my own life, the greatest temptation has been to build expediency, build something that looks effective so that I could uh, fulfill a... have a satisfaction of achievement and God has crushed that. And what it how did he do that? Because when I went to summon His the roar, I couldn't get it. And I've decided that the way of life that's handed down to me is has to be guarded and protected. Because like Jeremiah, when these times come, it it's a fire shut up in my bones a heart altar that was laid before me. Jesus Christ died so that I would have abundant life. I don't want to see my brothers or sisters go out of this place, move on from a call to a vision, set out and build for themselves something that steals these beautiful things from them. I've watched my own brother's Set out with good intentions, yet build things all around them that is stealing from them. I think we're better than that. I think God has called us to more than that. I think he's given us discernment for that. And I believe the key to that is to guard the way of life that is being handed down to you. And to walk it out without compromise.
1: Wednesday night, we began to look at the purpose of the work of grace in your life, that it is power over sin. There's a reason for that. The Lord didn't insert His word into a vacuum, He did not put men of God in the uh, well protected safe ground. We're in the middle of a life and death struggle, we're in the middle of a battle. And if I had a dollar for every man of God that I knew that was called but did not progress in their calling, I would be a very rich man. It's very few that start on that narrow road and finish. I want to tell you something that gives me great hope. I was reading Revelation, the fifth chapter, in the fourth verse. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. For the Apostle John to be 100 years old, to be in a place where he's the last of the living original 12, and this word in the Greek means to weep uncontrollably, makes me want to cry. To have an elder in the faith, a father in the faith, who has lost hope at the end of his life because of what he's seeing. And look what turns it around for him. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. Sometimes just letting a lion loose among Christians, a God-born, fiery lion, brings hope to everybody that has accepted cages. Have you ever been next to somebody and their passion sets you on fire? Have you ever been in a worship service and you crawled in, but you walked out with your head held high? We don't want one or two of you to be the exception to the rule. We're looking for the lions of God to come forth. Can we put that last slide up? There's a reason that Michael brought this prophetic word. Has your roar been compromised? Let's evaluate that for a second. When you were regenerated, when you were changed, when you first fell in love with the Lord, was your roar louder then or now? See, that's, a, that's, a, that's an eye-opening question. Were you more on fire for the Lord in the first year of your faith than you are this year? Because if so, you've caged yourself in somewhere and we have to rekindle it. Second, have you become concerned about what the devil is doing? In other words, you've become a victim in Christianity. Look how tough my week was. Look what they did to me. Look what's happened here. Because you used to be the kind of person that would go out and take territory. Now we're hiding in what remains of what we have. That cannot be God. The lions of God are the apex predator on the scene. So let me ask you. Are you complaining about your circumstances? Or are you the driving force in your circumstances? Yeah. Oh man, my job's so hard. We'll change it. Not change your job. Change the job. Yeah. Oh, my relatives are so hard. Well, go in and be a light. Overwhelm it. You're the spiritual great white shark if you're not the lion. Have you settled for less than your high calling? Now listen, this needs to settle on you. Nobody ever admits to this. So we're taking some time to do it. You know that when you were born again, you know that when you were discipled, you developed a mezuzah statement, you developed a call of God, but now somewhere along the way, you've gotten distracted, you've lost it, you've decided something else is the priority, and the call is secondary to things like jobs, to things like relationships, to things like what you think you must build first. Come on, let that settle in. I was raised in a church with a couple hundred people, all of them called. Three of us started a church. couple hundred, three of us started a church. What do you think happened to the rest? Have you settled for spiritual appetizers handed out? I love Michael. Have you (laughs) settled for spiritual appetizers handed out by others when you should be hunting the revelation of God's holy word? See, here is the reality. If you come here to be fed, then we are participating in caging you. If you come here because the Lord has been feeding you all week and you come to bring something to everyone else, now we're learning what it is to be a pride of lions. Amen? We want to take the time to let this word settle with us. I want Michael to be able to pray with you. We want to worship through our sound system problems and everything else that has happened today because the truth is we only have one life to give Him. That's all there is. And it's slipping away from us hour after hour and day after day, and you cannot get back what you've already lost. All you can do is make from this point forward count. When you look at those four things, do you have something that needs to change now? Do you have something that you know you cannot walk out... Look, if you grieve the Holy Ghost here today, what is it that guarantees you that He will deal with you again? If I get tired of telling somebody the same thing more than once, what do you think happens when He's told you and you won't listen? You might need to fall on your face and cry out, take not your Holy Spirit from me, Lord, because He may stop speaking if He's determined you've stopped listening. Now is the time to make whatever correction has to to let that lion, the Lord of the forest, run in all of the majesty that he was intended to. Spurgeon was upset with the people in his day. They were making excuses for God. They were caging in their Christianity. They were institutionalizing everything like the church at Ephesus. He said, you fools. Let loose that cage and the lion will come forth and all of his lion-like majesty and he will rid himself of his oppressors. You know what has to happen for you to be a success? You just have to be the man that God's called you to be. It's not that hard. It's how he designed you. You have to stop letting others and the world around you warp you into something other than what you were born for. When I look out here, I see some lionesses. There's a couple women out here that I would stack up against any five men because the Holy Ghost is with them. There's a couple men out here that I know if we put you anywhere in the world, you will become the model of Christianity to that area of the world. I know that. Come on, do you know that's true? But would the people sitting around you say that about you? See, that's the real question, isn't it? The question is not, are there some in here that can carry the load for everybody? The question is, are you carrying the load that God intended you to have? Will you stand to your feet for a moment?